it's all about. But it's great to have you all come out this morning. It's going to be a great day. So, Nate, I'm going to turn it over to you. Awesome. If you guys want to hear that talk on understanding the times, you can get that at eternityimpact.com. That's our website. And if you go to the media tab, there will be just a whole list of different messages, and that will be, I don't know, maybe five or six or seven down the list. So Ted asked me to talk about that same topic, and this comes out of it because it has a lot to do with the economy, and I kind of touched on that at the retreat about where we're at, but I've been realizing that a lot of men especially, and a lot of men that are close to me, like my own dad has been out of work for most of the past two years and lost his house and has had a lot of struggles, and I've been around a lot of men that, that are really struggling through this financial time. And Terry last time shared about finding God faithful. And when I walked away from that, I was encouraged that I need to review and remember all the different things that God's done in my life. And so it kind of reminds me of Mary in Luke 2.19. It says she treasured up and pondered in her heart all that God had done. And I kind of wanted to follow that example. And I wanted to share that with you guys. I don't know where you're at with this economy. We'll share briefly about it. But no matter where you're at, hearing stories of how God's provided will be an encouragement to you. And I know just putting this stuff on paper was really an encouragement to me. I got on the phone with my parents and reviewed some stories from growing up as a missionary kid at different times God provided for us. So I hope it encourages you. We'll share a few scriptures along the way. My whole goal for today is just to let you know some of the awesome miracles God's done. And I want to conclude with the story of how God pulled off raising a million dollars for the ranch. Because a lot of you guys probably haven't heard all the details of that yet, and it's, it's so exciting. We can't forget that in the worst economy that this country has seen in decades, God could pull off that big of a miracle right here in Little Durango. And it's all because of Him. He's amazing. And He's that same God for each one of us. So, I wanted to talk about God's faithfulness in various areas before getting into provision. And the first story that came to mind was in Machu Picchu. I guess it was 1983. My parents did this trip to kind of investigate where God would lead us. On the first leg of that trip, we were in Machu Picchu. And my parents got on the phone, turned around, our bags were stolen. They had our money, our passports, they had everything. And my dad and mom, they're not at that time very seasoned travelers, and they start to kind of panic. And my dad says, okay, you guys stay. We pray together. He said, I'm going to go look. And my dad said it was about 100, 100 to 150 yards squared this marketplace, and it began to rain, and everybody threw tarps out all over everything. And my dad, we realized we need these bags, right? We have to have these bags. And he walks over, and he doesn't want to call too much attention to ourselves because we're the only gringos in the place, you know? And he pulls up one corner of the very first tarp, and there are our bags, the very first tarp that he pulls up. That, to me, just illustrates the way God can protect us, the way God can come through for us, Not that everything in life always happens exactly like we anticipate. But he is able, guys. He's able. And I hope these stories will will tell you many more examples of this. Uh, In El Salvador and in Colombia, I'm going to just pass through it, but there are several times where God miraculously protected our family, even from death, from severe danger. Both my parents stepped over dead bodies. We had a guy get shot on our front porch. He luckily didn't die. Uh, But we lived in the worst part of Bogota doing street children's ministry. And time and time again... We would have nothing, and God would come through. In fact, shortly after arriving, my mom told me yesterday, I got on the phone with her and just said, I want to hear some stories about how God provided for us as kids, you know, growing up in all these South American countries. She said, shortly after we got there, there were times where we were making less than $100 a month in support coming in. And there was a time, she said, where we had virtually $0 in the bank. And she said, I didn't tell you kids, but I was 10 at the time, 1988. She said, you were reading George Mueller's autobiography. And you came down, and you said, Mom, 
God provided this for George Mueller, and that for George Mueller, and that for George Mueller. And she said, you didn't even know how that encouraged me to trust God, because we weren't even sharing with you boys that we had nothing. And you got to understand, my parents were renting a three-story house. We, we hired a teacher to teach some of the kids. We were providing food and medicine and clothing for 30 or 40 kids a day. And we had three kids living with us full-time, in addition to my brother Dave and my parents. So there were a lot of expenses. My mom just told me, just as an example, she said there were times that as much as $3,000 would just show up in their bank account, unaccounted for. And they'd call the bank and say, what's wrong? And they'd say, no, no, your math must be wrong. But there's no deposit slip, there's nothing, but there's an additional 3000 My mom would say, our math is not wrong. There was a time where $1,000 came in the mail, just randomly. Once there was a knock on the door and two women that we had never seen before just showed up with bags and bags and bags of groceries. And they'd heard about the ministry to the street children there and, and they wanted to bless us. Another time, my mom had been in the hospital. She had a really bad fall with one of the street children there playing around and she was lifting him up on her back and he kind of fell down on top of her. And she was in the hospital for several days and racked up a huge bill. And we had no money to pay this, right? And it was just shortly after she came home. She was in the house. We were all away at church. And she said that a man and his wife showed up in the car, knocked on the door. She went and answered the door, and the man handed her a check. And she said she can't remember the exact amount, but it was somewhere around $2,500. You couldn't recognize the signature. The guy said he came from our church there in Bogota after she deposited the check and, and paid all the medical bills. She said, we went and looked for this man, and nobody had ever seen any such man in our church. There was no record of him. The elders didn't know of him. God came through in huge ways in Colombia. There was a time in my brother's adoption. We adopted a Colombian boy there. He's actually my same age, Alex. He was 10 when he came to live with us off the streets. And there was a time where my parents needed $3,000, they said. And they had nothing. They had $10 in, in their bank account at the time. And that very week, out of the blue, old college friends of my mom's, Jeff and Shirley, called her and said, we just received some inheritance money, and we feel like God is telling us to send you a check for $3,000. Exactly what we needed that week for the adoption. Only God can do this kind of stuff, right, guys? Only God can pull this kind of stuff off. And I don't know where you're at, but I hope these stories will encourage you, because he can pull these things off, and he can use us to pull these things off with other people, too. I guess finally from Columbia, there was a time my mom said where when she needed to fly from Bogota back to the U.S. and then back to Bogota round trip. And she's walking on the streets of Bogota, and this man came up to her and just said, you need something. And she said, yeah, I need round trip plane tickets. He said, well, come with me. And turned around the corner, went in a travel agency, paid for the round trip tickets. She flew back to the U.S. and, and then back to Columbia. And this is the God we serve. In 2004, so this is about six years ago, Aaron and I left our jobs. I graduated from Fort Lewis College with a degree in chemistry, worked for a few years in the science field, and had a really good job. I liked it. It was, it was good. I made good money. And Aaron was doing some teaching with special needs children. And God had called us into ministry, and we'd known that, and we, we, we were building up to that. And six years ago, we left our quote-unquote secure jobs to follow God and trust God. And I was having a hard time with that. I was kind of thinking, how can I walk away from this job? And I was talking to a guy that's on staff with us up in Grand Junction, and I said, Kyle, I'm just really struggling with leaving my job. And the program manager position opened up, so I'm telling him I'm the only one that could fill that position right now. So this is an awkward time to just walk away. And I said, I have so much job security here. And Kyle said, Nate, you don't have job security. One guy could fire you. He goes, I have 50 or 60 supporters. I would have to have 50 or 60 people fire me 
And that really came through. I realized, I think, for the first time that trusting God, we really do have more security than any other thing this world has to offer, guys. So we haven't had any guaranteed income in six years, we say, but guaranteed is in quotations because with God, He's our provider, not this economy, right? This economy is not. And as this economy started to get bad a few years ago, I was kind of maybe paranoid. I was starting to think, we're living on people's generosity, really. Like, people that want to partner with our ministry and support us, that's how we survive. And I said, God, if this economy crashes, where does that leave us, you know? And I remember clear as day, God brought Psalm 91.7 in my mind. It says, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And I even wrote that down in my prayer notes, where I pray about our, our support every day. And I just said, God, we're in your hands. You know, we're in your hands. And I can tell you confidently that he's met every need. This recession has not killed us at all. And it's just because he is so faithful, right? He is so faithful in every single way. And I want to talk about the recession, because I think a lot of you guys know these stats, but I just want to mention them just to kind of give a picture of where we're really at. The Dow dropped 5,500 points, or 40%, from 14,000 to 8,500 between 2007 and 2008. That's the biggest drop in history. It's no small deal. Now it's come back up to about 10, 399 as of yesterday or something like that. It's still down almost 30% from where it was two years ago, two and a half years ago. Between 2000 and 2007, there were 27 bank failures. In 2008, there were 25. 2009, 142. Okay? And it hasn't slowed down this year. There are already 22 this year. Guys, things are, are kind of bad out there. The mortgage industry has collapsed. House prices have collapsed. And as my family has learned, unemployment is huge. My dad has been unemployed for almost two years. Well, I should say not unemployed. He's underemployed. He's not in the 10.2% unemployment rate. He's in the other, the underemployed, where he works any job he possibly can. And I'm really proud of him for that. You know, He's been driving hours to go drive a bus for four hours, three days a week. He's doing whatever he can to, to pay his bills. But there are a lot of people just like that. You know, there are a lot of people just like that that really are hurting in this country. So think about how have you been hit by this economy? I don't know. Maybe you've been hit. Maybe you haven't. Maybe maybe you're, you're doing great, and that's awesome. No matter where you're at, I think God has prepared you to be a blessing to those around you. And there are probably people that you know of in your churches, and we do this prayer thing, Raymond and Ted and a few of us in here, Jerry, and we get prayer requests every week for people from their churches that say people in our churches are needy. So anyway, getting into some different examples that are kind of amazing. Several years back, Aaron and I were trusting God to get into our first house here in Durango. And we didn't have loads of money to put down as a down payment or anything like that. We had some, not a lot, about 5% that we were going to put down. And coming up to our closing date, and we were going to get a modular out by the hospital on a quarter acre lot. And coming up to our closing date, we were several thousand dollars short. And literally, the week before we closed, we had some supporters call us up and say, hey, we want to take you guys out to, to dinner. So we said, sure. So we show up to dinner with, with this couple, and they hand us a check for $2,500. This is no joke. Same week, we get a check in the mail from a church that supports us. They send us a check for like $1,700. They normally supported us at the time $50 a month. So I called the church up, and I said, I think you wrote that check wrong. <laughs> it's, it can't be right, you know. Instead of 50, you wrote 1,700. They said, "No, that's just a gift that we wanted to send you guys." God was working out detail after detail. On the morning of our closing date, we we needed 12,000 dollars, and we had 10,000 dollars. 
I called our, our boss up, Linda, or Linda and Russ are our bosses, you know. I said, Linda, what's come into our, our account, our master plan account? And she goes, well, actually, right now in there you have $2,000. <laughs> That's on the day that we had to close on our house, right? I said, is there any way you can cut me a check for $2,000? She goes, absolutely, Nate. <laughs> right now. See, God came through, guys. God came through in a huge way and made it happen. This story is going to rock your world. This is one of my favorite stories of God's provision. Because sometimes you know God can provide, but you don't see from where, right? You kind of you get the impression that God would love to provide, but who is he going to use? I don't know anybody that can meet that need. That's how we felt last year trusting God for a million dollars. I don't know any millionaires that could just part with a million dollars and be okay with that. <laughs> but here's a great story. In 1996, we were on the Turkey and Bulgaria border. My family were missionaries in Romania, and... We did a short trip when I was 18 to Turkey. And in Turkey, ne- never do business with a Turkish rug salesman. Because they will, they, will, uh, they will drain you. And we bought a lot of rugs, and we, we ended up with not so much money for our trip home to Romania. But it was okay, because we had our train tickets. We had our visas stamped in the passports already. We had our snacks and our drinks, and we were catching the, the train that afternoon straight into our hometown. You know, my parents didn't have any credit cards then or anything like that. It was 96. I don't even know how prevalent those were at the time. But they definitely weren't prevalent in Eastern Europe. And so anyway, we get on the train. We're thinking, you know, we have somewhere around $50, if I'm not mistaken. That should be fine to get us home. And we get to the Turkish border with Bulgaria. And the Bulgarian border patrol agent gets on and wants a bribe. This happens all the time. It's also happened to me on the Romanian-Hungarian border. All the time they'll, they'll look for bribes. Happened actually just in December of 08 on the Romanian-Moldovan border. That <laughs> was so funny. They want cigarettes on the Moldovan border. The pastor we were with said, they're going to ask for a bribe of cigarettes. Just tell me you're a pastor and you're not allowed to have cigarettes. And so <laughs> it worked. It was pretty funny. It's like, oh, okay, no problem. But it made everybody else give them cigarettes on the bus. But anyway, so on the Turkish-Bulgarian border, this border patrol agent comes up to us, and he starts demanding that we pay him $250. We don't have it. He holds up the train for 45 minutes. It's getting extremely tense. He has our passports in his hands. He's saying he's going to kick us off the train. We're starting to panic. We're going, what in the world do we do? We don't have the money. What do you do? And we pray. We're just like, God, you've got to come through for us. Because we have no other way, God. We start seeing, I don't know, a hat or a box. We start seeing something passing around the train car. And all these Romanians that were returning to Romania from Turkey are throwing money in there. Okay? Deutschmarks, because it was before the Euro. It gets to the end of the room, and they bring this to the Border Patrol agent and pay him off in Deutschmarks, what he was asking in dollars. He, he happily gets off the train, gives us our passports, the train starts moving. We turn around, we're just humbled and shocked how God provided. We had not asked anyone. God just came through. We tell these people, can we get your addresses so that we could you know, send you the money when we get back to our, our town, Brasov, of Romania? They said, don't worry about it. We've all been working at a Deutschmark counterfeiting factory in, in Turkey. <laughs> so they said it was all counterfeit. Seriously. Does that blow your mind? <laughs> so, I mean, God can come through in big ways, and he can come through in ways that absolutely blow your mind. You, 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 you remain dumbfounded by how he comes through. And I've often wondered since that day, I wonder if that guy got put in prison for, for trying to use these fake Deutschmarks, right? Uh, who knows what happened. I hope he knows Christ today. I hope, I hope that we'll spend eternity with him in heaven. But God can provide. See, the economy is not my provider, guys. In Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus told us not to worry. 
He said to seek first his kingdom and that all these other things would be added unto us. doesn't mean that I'm going to be rich and wealthy, but it does mean that he will meet my needs. And sometimes it's hard to trust him, right? Sometimes it's hard to imagine how he's going to pull these things off. And I'm going to share this story from Romania, 2006. Aaron and I were leading a trip of about 20 people on a summer project to Romania for almost two months. It was about a six-week trip. And we needed $6,000 personally for the trip. And we'd had about 1,000 come in. So we had parents of the students we were taking calling us up saying, how are the students doing with their support? And we're going, the students are doing great. <laughs> you know, And we didn't share that we weren't, but the students were doing great. You probably remember this story, Raymond. And uh, we're, we're about a week out. I had to go to Denver for an old roommate's wedding from college. And literally 30 minutes out of town, our car breaks down. We go and borrow Aaron's dad's car. We get to Denver. That car breaks down. Two cars in 24 hours, the serpentine belt went out. I mean, I've never had that happen once in my life. So we're sitting there stranded in Denver in the hotel, no car, $5,000 short for our trip less than a week before we fly out. And I, I looked at Aaron and I said, we might, Kyle and Mitch, who are on staff with us in Grand Junction, they're actually, they've been there a lot longer and we've been on staff. They were co-leading the trip with us. I said, we're just going to have to turn it over to Kyle and Mitch and, and we're not going to make it on this trip. My wife says, Nate, how can you have so little faith, you know, after all we've seen God come through in? And I said, well, you just don't understand. We're 5000 short, Aaron. <laughs> she goes, Nate, just trust God. That week we saw around $6,000 come in, guys. <clears throat> 6000 Does that blow your mind? We prayed that God would provide enough for us and enough for us to support some of the students that were still short too. And He did. He not only provided what we needed, but He provided enough for us to also support some of the students that we were with. When we got back from that, guys, when we got back from that trip, God provided again. When we got back, we had $10 in our account. We didn't have enough for a paycheck. And Russ and Linda told us $500 came in this month. I guess while we were away in Romania, everybody assumed that we didn't have any bills here in the U.S., but you know our mortgage didn't go away, our bills didn't go away. And so they said only $500 came in last month, and we had to float you guys $500 to pay your bills and all this stuff. And, and she was supposed to be paying our tithe out of our paycheck while we were gone. And she says, and by the way, I couldn't pay all your tithe because the money wasn't in, you know, you didn't get much. So I told Aaron, I said, this last $10 is God's. We had potatoes and elk because I shot an elk that year. So I said, we're not going to starve to death. And we needed $3,000 to be able to get a paycheck for the month within the next week. So I gave that $10 the next day in church, Sunday morning. And this is no joke. Monday, the next day, I get a phone call from an old boss. And he says, Nate, I want to take you out to lunch. I said, okay. And we get there, and he's tearing up. He says, I just want you guys to know how much you minister to me through what God's doing in your lives and in your newsletters. It's really working in my heart. And he said, in fact, driving the other day, God told me to give you this. And he hands me a check for $1,000. This is on Tuesday. So he called me Monday. We met Tuesday for lunch. I call Russ and tell Russ, who's our boss. I said, Russ, this old boss of mine just gave us $1,000. And he says, that's awesome, Nate. I forgot to tell you, yesterday, one of your supporters in California sent you $2,000. Blow your mind. Sunday, we gave the ten, And in the next two days, 3000 came in. And that, to me epitomizes the way God works, guys. In Philippians 4.19, that's the often quoted verse, my God will meet all your needs. We repeat that a lot. But verse 4.18 talks about how the Philippians were giving to God. So God wasn't meeting their needs in a vacuum, but he was meeting their needs as they were faithful to give also. And Aaron and I have found that to be true so many times. Gosh, I didn't even include this story in my notes, but once we were 
when we first started raising support, we were doing a 28 or 29 state road trip. I, I think it was 29 state road trip. 18,000 miles, three months on the road. We had $2,000 in our savings account when we started that trip. We're going by faith that God's going to raise our support. We were speaking in churches around the country and all this. And we get down to Texas, and I had $40 in my pocket. And we were in two services that we were speaking at. So I spoke at the first service, gave the $20. Second service comes along, and they're getting near the offering time. And I'm thinking, well, I don't have to give. I already gave first service. I'm just thinking this in my mind. You know, our mind is so not on track with God sometimes. And then I feel his spirit convicting me, saying, Nate, that's a bad attitude to have about my money, you know. And... And so I realized this, and I kind of fight God for a minute. I'm not giving that 20 bucks. You know, at this point, I think we had six or $700 in our account for another two and a half months on the road, staying in hotels, eating out three meals a day. And I don't see how it's going to work out, right? So I said, okay, God, you win. It's yours. I just made the decision in my mind. Literally, I had not even had the opportunity to give that money yet. And the worship director gets up in front of everybody and she says, how many of you guys just really thank God for what Nate and Aaron are doing? Everybody raises their hand. She says, how many of you guys would like to support them if you could? Everybody raises their hand. She goes, well, you can. She says, I don't care if you guys have to skip lunch today. Go and support their ministry. Right now. Do it. I'm not kidding you. For probably 30 plus minutes, we had people coming up from all sides, stuffing stuff in our pockets, back pockets, front pockets, coat pockets. This has never happened to me. We get done, we had over $700 cash given to us, plus checks, that morning. But see, again, it came out of giving. And saying, okay, God, we're not going to fight you on this. It's your money anyway. See, I seek first his kingdom, and then all these things are added to me. Not the other way around. But he does it, guys. A few months after Romania, so we have the 3000 command. We got our paycheck. Our car starts to die. This is no joke. This is kind of encouraging to you guys. Yeah. All these stories are completely verifiable. You can talk to my wife if you want. But it blows my mind. A few months later, our car is starting to die. And I sent out this email. I just said, pray that God would provide a vehicle for us. In six weeks, we had $13,000 come in for a car. We were able to pay cash for a one-year-old Nissan Sentra. Unreal, guys. Unreal. Some of the things that, that God has done. But he's faithful. He said, test me and see. I won't open the floodgates of heaven, right? He's the one that said that as we give and as we're faithful to tithe to him, that he's going to bless us. But for me, it's hard to believe. Remember Jesus feeds the 5,000 in Matthew 14? And then Matthew 15 comes along. And there are 4,000 people. you think the disciples would be like, this is no problem. What did they say? What are we going to do? How can we feed all these people? You'd think Jesus would go, are you kidding me? A couple days ago, we fed more than this. I'm just like the disciples, though. It's easy. After seeing all this stuff happen, I'm not kidding you, sometimes I can still doubt. And I, I just hate it. I feel like... Joseph's favorite verse. We were talking about this at Bible study two weeks ago. The father of the demon-possessed boy who said, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. After God provided all, all this money for our down payment for our house, our account was empty. Remember I told you that I called Linda and said, how much is in there? And she said 2000 We wiped that out to get our house. That was the last day in December. And January 2nd, we had to be in Denver with all of our students for a big conference that we go to every year. And... Aaron and I needed five or $600 for this trip. And I tell Aaron, this is no joke, I tell Aaron, well, I guess my brother was going with us, and he was interning with us that year. I said, I guess Dave is just going to have to lead the trip because our account has zero in it. And I said, and it's a Saturday because it was the day after we closed, and the mail's already come, so there's no way that it could come in between now and tonight. <laughs> and that day, 
seriously. Russ and Linda came over and handed us our receipts. There were just a few there, which normally wouldn't have had that much money. But in that stack of receipts, guys, and Linda and Russ hadn't told us because they wanted it to be a surprise, there was a check from a supporter that sent in $4,000. <laughs> Aaron goes, oh, what do you think, Nate? <laughs> See, in my complete unbelief, God was still faithful, right? He knew what he called us to, and he was going to provide for us to be able to make it there. I could go on and on and on forever. He really is faithful. I was talking with Randy yesterday, Randy Ash from Bayfield. He just happened to be in the coffee shop, and we were chatting. And I said, Randy, just what would you share about financial <coughs> principles with a group of guys? And he goes, well, number one is the Lordship of Christ. Just the Lordship of Christ. And realizing that my money is under the Lordship of Christ. And he said, number two, this is cool. He said, remember the parable of the talents in Matthew 25? There were two guys that invested and got a return. There was one guy that buried his talent. And he goes, why wasn't there a fourth guy that invested and lost? And I said, because you can't. He goes, that's right, Nate. Because you can't lose in God's economy. When we invest in his kingdom, we don't lose. That hit me hard. It's what we've seen all this time and how he's provided for us. He's provided our needs. We haven't lost. We haven't lost. Randy put it so well. He said it's keeping up with the Joneses versus eternal perspective. Really, what we've seen is as we've trusted God, he's been so faithful in so many different ways. One of you in this room helped with this story. In December 2008, our medical insurance company tried to stick us with almost $20,000 of medical bills. We had an emergency C-section with our daughter. And... We got them to cover a large portion of that, but they stuck us with about 4000 over a deductible. So we had that bill come in in December of 2008. Our car broke down. We had a paycheck that we needed. We had several other bills, and I did this trip. Maybe you guys remember hearing about this trip to Romania, Moldova, and Turkey. And that cost a few thousand dollars, too, because it was real fast. It was, it was country after country after country, and planes, and transportation, and... We were also trying to leave a lot of money with the people that we visited there because a lot of them were in tremendous need. So in the month of December 2008, we'd never seen anything like this, but we had $12,000 in bills. You know how much money came into our account that month? This isn't typical. $12,000. Exactly. (laughs) I, I told that to one of the atheists on campus recently. I said, tell me there's not a guy, dude. Just tell me. Just tell me. <laughs> Actually, I had another atheist hear that story, and he said, well, that's because of the aliens. <laughs> I said, no, that's not because of the aliens. That's because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, but anyway, he, he tells me, he goes, the Bible, it's amazing. you seen how accurate this thing is? Everything in there is perfect. It had to be written by aliens. <laughs> I said, why can't you just trust it was written by the guy that it says it was written by? He says, that's impossible. It was aliens. (laughs) So funny sometimes. Joseph will agree that sometimes we have interesting conversations up there. But anyway, the big story. You guys know that last year we trusted God for a million dollars. On that trip to Turkey, seriously, on that trip to Turkey, it was really cool. I went with my accountability partner, Austin, who's on staff with us in Denver, and my father-in-law. And my father-in-law, you know, he's... He needed his sleep, so he would try to get to sleep early every night. And so Austin and I would let him have his own room, and usually we shared a room. And most nights we found ourselves up till 3 or 4 in the morning just praying together, talking together, discussing vision and direction for you know the ministry and all that stuff. And literally over 10 days and 2 nights traveling, and 2 days traveling, so 12 days, we slept 40 hours. 
And there were a couple nights where we slept eight or nine, so you can figure out what our nightly average was on that trip. And we spent a lot of time praying together and seeking God about the direction for this ministry. And a lot of big things came out of that. A lot of big ministry events that those of you that know our ministry that you guys have heard came out of that week of vision. We called it a vision trip. Just seeking God together and encouraging some other pastors and leaders along the way. But seriously, on that trip, God specifically gave us, real clearly, the vision to raise $1 million. And I told Austin, we're going to raise $1 million. And he goes, well, what for? I said, I don't know yet, but we're going to do it. We just need God to give us a reason to raise a $1 million. And we knew God had been putting that on our minds. We had also talked about starting a Great Commission training center. You know, we'd mentioned this for years, but we never had an opportunity. It was never like we had the, the facility. And we get back to Durango, and it was literally maybe a week or two after I got back that Russ says, you know Diamond Lodge, right? Well, they offered it to our ministry. And we didn't know what that meant. We, we met with Sean shortly after that. And Sean uh, could have probably made five times as much on that property as we gave him. But he came to us and he just said, I want, if you guys can, can cover my debt, I want this to be used for God. You know, I want this to be used for God. So he's just as big a donor as anybody else in this story, right? Uh, he, he, he gave sacrificially to make this happen. Not to mention the 10 years of blood, sweat, tears, and prayer that he poured into that thing, along with Gabe and so many others. Maybe a lot of you guys in here. But we said, okay, we're going to pray about this, we're going to fast about this, and we're going to seek God about raising a million dollars. And we'd never done anything like this before. We knew God had been putting it on our hearts, so there was a lot of confirmation that this is how God was leading us. And Russ tells me, he goes, Nate, well, even if God does give a million dollars, we're not going to do it unless we have the right staff for that place. Because we're not getting distracted from our ministry. And so this will be under master plan, of course, but we need some staff that this would be their life vision to run this ranch and to do it well. And they also have to be willing to raise their own support because we don't want to pay them out of master plans account because we can't. And they have to have a good heart for the Great Commission, and it has to, they have to have been doing the Great Commission. So I, in my mind, I said, okay, we're not getting this place. That's an impossible situation. And Russ said, here's the deal, Nate. He said, we also want God to do it in two months so that we don't get distracted. He said, our goal as a ministry is set the bar so high for God that a human being can't do it. It has to be God. And he said, and if God doesn't come through, then apparently he wanted us to walk down this road to grow us and to teach us, and that's fine, and we're going to be joyful about it. But we're going to set the bar so high, so he has to do it. It was that very week that we had the couple come to us and say, we, we heard you guys are interested in this ranch, we just want you to know that if it works out, we'd like to come on staff and, and run that ranch. And we had not asked them. See, he kept on confirming that this is the direction that we were supposed to take. So we started raising support. We probably talked to every person and their aunt and uncle and grandmother and kids and dogs, <laughs> cats. We wanted to share the vision with everyone and then trust the results to God, like with everything. And after about uh, almost two months of raising support, we were at $150,000, right around 150000 That's kind of a rough estimate. I don't remember the exact pennies or anything. We are very short of a million, and we decided if it didn't all come in, we were, gonna turn it, we were just going to send it back to everybody. People are going, you're going to send back 150000 Like, yep, every penny. You know, it's if we can't take the step God calls us to take, then we don't need to keep that money. That's what people gave to. And so I've been calling and calling and calling through list after list after list of businessmen all around the country. This was a Thursday. I had a very rough day. I had some guy in Detroit chew me out, really angry with me, a Christian businessman. 
And I said, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to offend you. I'm just sharing the vision of what God's doing. And if you want to be a part of it, you can. If not, I'm not holding anything against you. It's just not what God called you to be a part of. You know, whatever. It's 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 fine. And I said, I love you like a brother, but I'm sorry for offending you, you know. And, but I got off the phone. I was pretty discouraged. So I went and I ran on the treadmill. And we have a whirlpool bathtub. I sat in the bathtub and prayed for a while. And I got back. I'm like, I'm going to get on that phone list again. So I get on the phone list. And then another, like, three or four bad calls. And then it hit me. Come on, Nate, you're calling through all these businessmen in Detroit. <laughs> it's probably like the worst hit city in this nation with the economy, right? So Friday morning comes, and I just told my wife, I said, I am done. This was at the end of our support raising for this project. I said, I am finished. I've called hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of businessmen. I'm done. I just said, I am done with this. If God wants to do this, it's in his hands. I know I've been faithful to do it the best I could, but I can't make this happen. It has to be God. So I said, Friday told Aaron, Friday I'm just spending in prayer. I said, I'm not even going to make one phone call. I'm just going to pray. And I'm not kidding you guys. This is right at the tail end. I get in my room and I prayed for three or four hours for this ranch and just trusting God. And there are people in this room that gave tremendously to this ranch. I just said, God, it's in your hands. You know, we believe this is the vision that you gave us. And it wasn't just me. You know, Russ is on his end doing the same thing I'm doing. So I don't want it to sound like it was just me. I get out of my room get a phone call from actually a supporter that I've mentioned twice today. He was the one that sent the $4,000 when we needed 500 to go to DCC. He's also the one that sent the $2,000 when we needed 3000 for a paycheck. And he tells me, Nate, I've just been waiting until the end to see what would happen. He says, what do you guys need, three or 400000 And I said, I wish. <laughs> we need about 800000 Because, wow, well, I'll have to talk to my wife. And... He calls us back, and he says, we want to make this happen. We just got to work out like all the details and accountability and all those types of issues and really pray about taking the step. That turned into about a six-week process of trusting God together, praying together. We prayed together pretty much every day during that time, me and this gentleman, about how God would have us partner in this ministry and how God would use his finances to make this a reality. And at the end of about that six-week period, he came to, to Durango, and spent three days just asking us lots of questions about the vision for the ranch, making sure that this is what God had called us to do. And at the end of the three days, we had a closing set up by faith. We'd set a closing up with a land and title company. And that morning, I went over to Russ's house, and Russ says, what do you think is going to happen? I said, cancel the closing. <laughs> it's not happening today. And I, I was doubtful that, that this was going to work out. And I get back to my house, and this gentleman who wants to remain anonymous, he didn't want to have any glory come from this at all. He wants it totally to be just a God. He says, okay, my wife and I want to tell you guys our decision. And I'm thinking that they're going to say no. You know, I'm totally thinking they're going to say no. We needed about $300,000 to close. So they call us into the living room. We all sit down together, and he pulls a $302,000 cashier's check out of his pocket. He says, I had this written at the bank by faith, trusting that we would be able to go through with this project. And uh, here it is. <laughs> I, told, I told Aaron, I've never held $300,000 in my hands. This is pretty crazy. And Russ, after I told him to cancel the closing by faith, he just postponed it till the next day. That's how awesome Russ is. He goes, we'll just make it for tomorrow at 10. So the next morning, Friday, I think it was July 17th, we got to close on the property. And that afternoon... We were out of town. Aaron and I had a three-week trip that we had to be on, sharing in some churches and things like that. But God came through huge, right? He came through huge. 
And this same financial donor has committed $500,000 to get the ranch where it needs to be. And he says, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this thing. Psalm 9.10 says, Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And I want to encourage you to seek God. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. I don't know where you're at, what struggles you have, what needs you have. But I want to encourage you to press into him and to seek him. Not so that he will give. Seek him for him. He's everything. He's sufficient. He meets my desires like nobody else can. But also, guys, he is our provider. And one of my favorite stories of God's provision is the smallest story of God's provision. And it just shows me all this stuff, it's not a big deal to God. Right? Mm -hmm. Is God a millionaire? <laughs> it doesn't make sense to even ask that question. I think the point is, is our relationship with him. That's what he's after. right? It's like Terry encouraged us last month, finding him faithful. That's what he wants. He wants us to grow close to him as we rely on him and depend on him. In 2005, I had guest lectured down at a branch of Northern Arizona University. I used to work in air quality, and I was guest lecturing on air quality and atmospheric chemistry. I was doing a multi-pollutant class that week in Las Vegas, actually at the uh, Tribal Air Monitoring Support Center. And we had a co-worker there, or somebody that also taught full-time for them, who is uh, Yusuf Hamid. He's a Muslim. Him and his wife Aisha are dear friends of ours. You can pray for them if you want. But I love these, this couple beyond belief. And we went out to uh, Friday's, the restaurant, and I got this brownie explosion with the chocolate everywhere and everything. And I, I like chocolate, so... <laughs> I thought, that's like heaven on earth right there. So we get back to Durango, and I tell my wife, Erin, this is at like 4 in the morning. We're getting ready to take a bunch of students over to Romania. We're waking up, getting our bags packed to go get on the plane. I said, wouldn't that be something if there's a Friday's in the airport and we could get another one of those brownies? That's all I said. I didn't even pray. God, give me a brownie from Friday's today. Right? I just said to Erin, wouldn't that be great if we could get one of those brownies in the airport at some point? So we fly, and we get into D.C., and our we, as soon as we land in D.C., they said, well, your next plane is like six or seven hours late or something like that. And, and it's a big bummer. And the lady just tells me, so here's a voucher for a free meal. I said, ooh, look at it. It was $17. You can get a lot of food for $17, right? And I just said, well, there are seven of us. Can I get six more? She goes, absolutely. She gives me six more. Then she goes, and probably the best place to eat is the Fridays. It's just down the hall, around the corner. <laughs> this is no joke. I didn't even ask her, you know. <laughs> that God, you are, you're pretty awesome. I think God was just showing me. I'm your father. I'm your father. So I hope that encourages you guys. That's all I have to share. And I'll, I'll just close it right there. But I hope it encourages you guys. God is faithful, like Terry challenged us last week. And I know Jerry will encourage us in some similar things next month. I don't know what all, but he's faithful, guys.